It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of The Table. Uh, my name is Jason Squires, and I am the host of this podcast. Uh, today, we are joined by one of my good friends, Peter Newman. Peter, how's it going, man? Hey, hey. Great. Thanks for having me on. Ah, dude, it's so good to have you back. This oh, is, yeah. We get to do this again, you <laughs> That's know? That's right. And uh, I Super always do cool. this over Zoom, and so we're actually sitting across the, t- the literal table from each other. The actual literal table from Isn't each other. nice? It's this good. Cool. <laughs> it's, I don't, like I said, I always have to do it over Zoom, and it, this just is so much better. Yeah, in person. Let's hear it. Let's do it. Hey, so this month we're talking about volunteers. Um, but before we jump into content, let's uh, remind everybody kind of where you're, who you are and where you're from and all the things Peter Newman. Oh, wow. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> thank you. So I serve at, uh, currently as the worship arts pastor at Creekside Christian Church in Elk Grove, California. It's a Sacramento suburb. And... Um, you know, lead the, the teams here, music teams, tech teams, and uh, have been doing that sort of thing for a long time in a variety of churches and, you know, recordings and traveling and all that. Um, I was your intern earlier once. On. Hey, hey, that's right. I'm going to point we, that one out. I always <laughs> like to say that out. <laughs> like 20 years ago. That's right. So, uh, yeah, I've been doing it a while and uh, loving life and ministry um, these days in Elk Grove. My wife, Katie. And I have two boys, Andrew and Ryan, and uh, elementary age boys that uh, love playing baseball and are driving their mom crazy on summer break at the moment. But um, hey, yeah, but you're about to hop in a car and go on a long road trip. That's, that's right. That's a good that's right, which take a couple fun. weeks off. I love it. I love it. Well, so let's talk. Let's talk about this. Um, there are we're talking about volunteers this week and this month, I should say. And you do this well. You guys, you guys do this well. I've been in and around a lot of things that you have set the culture for. And so I wanted, that's why I wanted to talk this through with you today. Um, now, there are, there are uh, a lot of roles with spe- specific talents uh, to make up a worship ministry. It's one thing to find someone who's good with kids, uh, but it's another thing to find a drummer. And um, everybody, <laughs> worship ministries have like a very specific right. task. It's like, I need you to play guitar, not just um, stand at the door and say hi to people. And right, so... Right. How do you find how do you find or attract volunteers to serve? Yeah, great, great I mean, question. Is, we're gonna go right from the, the top. That's <laughs> the golden question, right? For everybody, like, wow, where where do the people come from? So I've just been amazed how God has just brought them through the years. So just I don't know, my kind of brief thoughts on this. First is to pray that God Amen. you know, pray that God would send them. And um, in leadership coaching years ago, a guy named Judd Boyce, um, he, he said to our team, he was leading our team, our church kind of leadership team through a, through a kind of an upgrade, a bunch of things we were doing in our church. And he said, you know what? Some of your best leaders aren't here yet. And just and pray. And you'll be amazed mm-hmm. at how God brings them in. And I thought, oh, wow, is that really a thing? And so, okay, let's try it. Let's pray. <laughs> let's see what God does. And amazingly, he, he, he was right, and God did that. God just, God brings people. So 
that's really it's an encouragement to myself and to to anybody listening that God, you know, he Ephesians two ten says that you know we are God's handiwork created to do good things, right? God's pre- prepared. Um, beforehand for us to do. And so God has been prepping. He's working in people's lives. The Holy mm. Spirit is moving in people's lives. He's gifted them. He's gifted musicians. He's gifted tech, tech people. And and he's called them, you know, and there are different points in their journey, but some of them, they're ready maybe to begin serving for the first time. So I'm always on the lookout for who in our churches, they might be new to this, they might think, oh, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, but they have a little bit of talent, and I can see in them, actually, you really could do this, so come on. And, you know, are there others that may not quite be there yet, but they'll be there soon, and others that are veterans that have done it a long time, and they show up in the church and, and, you know, they join the team. So God brings them a lot of different ways, but the Holy Spirit is active and is working, and is working in your church and your sphere of influence to draw people to himself, and then for them to use those gifts in his body. It, he's, he's doing it. And so we just come alongside and say, okay, Lord, open my eyes to the people that you are calling, the people that you are bringing in. Help me see them. Help me you know, make it a hospitable environment for them to come into and welcome them into, and he'll, he'll bring them. So number one, pray. Pray for God to send them. Um, second thing is, and th- this, this may sound just so basic, but we often don't do this. This is the one thing that, that I just, for years, would be like, oh, yeah, of course you should do this, but I, I didn't. Plan for them to join the team. Plan for people to come. Oh, Expect that they're going to come. Expect that God's going to bring people, that they will come, and of course they will want to join the team. They will want to join your team. Your team's awesome, right? You're awesome. Of course they're <laughs> going to want to join you. Like that kind of spirit tends to attract people more. And then planning the details for them to join ahead of time, a pathway for them to become involved, and think, stepping back and thinking through how. Okay, what's our process for involving people? You do that ahead of time, it makes it really, really easy when God kind of taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, hey, here is so-and-so, check out so-and-so that's come to your church, come into your ministry that's expressing interest or somebody that you see talent and you know, you'll be ready because you'll have a plan. So like, here's what it looks like in our context. Um, we, have a, we have a series of steps that we walk people through. So if they raise their hand or in a conversation, I, I realize with them, hey, you might be, you know, potential for our team, might be interested in our team. Um, we have like these three or four steps to kind of onboard them. And the first one is a conversation. They just sit, you know, either, it could be phone, it could be sit down, but I just, you know, briefly kind of hear their story, their faith story, hear a little bit of their experience and background. Um, sometimes they'll email me like a little YouTube video of them singing or playing or, you know, doing kind of their thing. Um, usually I try and meet with them in person also. Uh, well, definitely. But the next step is to meet with them in person. And um, if I didn't hear about their faith story or their background on the phone beforehand, um, or if they didn't share it, so we, we have a thing on our website where people can check a box, hey, I'm interested, and they can type in some of that stuff there. But we always follow up with a conversation. We meet in person. I don't call it an audition. It kind of is. But, you know, I, really, the tone that I'm trying to set is, hey, let's get together and hear what God has gifted you to do. And, you know, I'm not looking to 
be there with a clipboard evaluating you. It's more just like, okay, God's giving you gifts. Let's hear what those yeah. gifts are. Let's see what you know what you've got. And then based on that, then I kind of in my mind I go, all right, they they're ready for prime time. They might need a little coaching or whatever. But I get a sense of where they're at. And then the next step is to invite them to one of our rehearsals, and then we onboard them onto the team. And then anyway, they get involved. And I'll walk through a little bit of more of this uh, later in, in our in our conversation. But we have a plan. The point is, we have a plan. Yeah. We have a process for them that if God brings us somebody, we're not just standing there, like we're ready. We're ready for them to onboard, to get on the team and to join. So pray, plan for them to join. And then um, recruit. There's two ways that we do it. One is to actively recruit. And that's where I look around our I encourage our team members to look around and go, okay, who is there in our church that God has already brought to us that comes here every week or that's shown up maybe recently? Who's out there that might have some talent? And I look for them, and I encourage our team to look for them and our our team to talk to people and say, hey, would you maybe be interested and get out there? So it's not, I don't feel like it's just you recruiting. Like it's just like the whole burden is on you, right? God's going to do part of it. Your planning can do part of it. You can do part of it, but the team can do part of it. And if you've done a good job building your current team already and creating a culture they want to be part of, they'll be advocates. They'll be your best people for joining and saying, hey, I have a great time on this team. You ought to join too. So they can actively recruit within the church um, and, you know, then you can look outside, too. There's, there's schools, that, like if there's a Christian university nearby or other Christian schools or just even, even schools that are like teaching studios, you know, music lesson studios, networking, just like if you kind of work your network of, yeah. of Christian musicians in the area, there are going to be names that come to mind. And you know what? These days, there's probably a lot of people in your community that used to go to church. And life just well, that got, <laughs> you know, busy, or they kind of drifted, and they're not plugged in anywhere. Yeah. Maybe they had a bad experience somewhere, and they're they they're talented. They would love to plug in somewhere, but they're just they're on their couch right now. Or COVID, they haven't come back since COVID. They've been ah, oh, it's nice to watch online, but there are probably people in your community that would love to be on your team, plugged into your church, and you know, so actively recruit. And then the last thing, um, I. Passively, it's it's not completely passive, but your your online presence can do work for you to recruit people. So if there are things on your church website or social media, people that are you know coming to our church for the first time, they're they're not they're, most likely their first experience with our church is not when they set foot on the property. They probably checked us out online. First, they looked at the website, they looked at a live stream, they looked at something social. They they already have gotten to know us a little bit and gone, oh, you know, maybe I'll check out that church. And that that's probably what they'll do for you. And so if you have good things on social, on website that showcase what your musical ministry looks like, it's a, it's a way for people to go, you know, that would be great. We have a we have a couple of boxes on our church website where they can just they can hit a button. We have a little bit of info. Hey, are you interested in singing or playing or doing tech? Learn more. Boom, and there's a button right on there and then it generates an you know, a little form that they fill out. Here's my name, here's what I'm interested in. Boom, it comes to us and now we can follow up. We've had so many people 
So many people come to us that way, and I didn't have to go out and actively recruit them. Mm. They came in. So pray, plan, recruit actively, passively, and you'll be amazed at how God brings them. One thing that I... uh a, a Peter Newman quote that comes to mind from many, many years ago <laughs> was excellence draws excellence. And you said that to you. I, I, I remember yeah. th- I've said this. I've, I've quoted you many times in, in workshops and conferences. And um, when, you, when you have a place where it's like you said, you're doing it, you're doing it, you're showing it, you're, it's, it's online. Excellence draws excellence. People want to be involved with what's, what's happening. And so yeah. that's, I love that. Now, once you have a volunteer on the team, how do you keep them there? Yeah. Like, I mean, once because it's, I mean, how do you create an atmosphere where people actually want to serve? Because yeah. it's, it's not just, it's one thing to get them through the door. And this may actually need to come before, um, before actually getting people is making sure that you have a place that people actually want to be and want to be involved. Because if they're not sticking or you're looking at it going, people are coming in, but they're falling out the back door. Like, how do we... How do we create an atmosphere where people actually want to serve? Great question. Great question. And I think you're right. I think it actually does start even before the recruiting process. You, you begin with the end in mind. What, what is the vision for this ministry? And a lot of people in churches, they do. They come in and they drift away because they don't find a place to stick. Yep. Right? So how do we make our ministries a place where they stick? And just... Frankly, just having a ministry, having them play a role where they know I'm, I'm an important part of this team, that elevates their sense of ownership and investment in the church experience, and they are more likely to stay in the church and to stay on the team just by like having, having an important role. So, okay, how do, we, how do we build that culture? And I think that's where we got to start. How do we... It, it's asking that question. How do we build a culture an atmosphere that they, that they love, where they, they never want to leave. You ever been a part of something that was just so great? Like if you think yeah. back in your, in your experience in life, maybe part of a community, part of a team, part of a group, a church, a musical experience or whatever, like there have been those things in your life, right, that they were just so awesome. You're like, oh, I never want to leave. That's so, so great. And I've, I've thought and just prayed through as we've established things in our ministry in this church and other churches through the years. Okay, what, what is it about those ministry cultures, those experiences that, that I had that I was a part of that were so powerful and profound? And how can we infuse that stuff into the ministry here? So take some time. I'd encourage you, just take some time, dream, and imagine what could it be like what could the culture of your worship team be like, your ministry be like, that people, they would just, they would love it. And so a big thing, um, yeah, Galatians 5, 6, I just made this little note. Galatians 5, 6 says, what really counts is faith expressing itself through love. If people feel loved, if they feel like they belong somewhere, they're valued, and they're loved within a community where they get to do something that they're good at, they will stick. They, th- that is powerful. Yep. And so we want to we love people. We want to value them. I think that's probably one of the biggest things in the culture that we try to build is that, that you are valued. You know, Once somebody comes in, we show them that they are valued, that, that we are so glad that they are on the team. They're an important part of the team. We're thrilled you're here. Thank you. 
thank you. We're so grateful. And if your team feels that from you, from the leadership of, of your team, they're much more likely to stay. I mean, wouldn't you be, right? Totally. If you were, and more no, than you, just because you play drums well. As a like, human being. Yep, yep. Not. I'm glad yeah. that you're here because we have a great guitar player like that. Right. right. Valued for who you are as a person, yep. not just what you do. Yeah, not, oh, you're expendable. Another drummer will come along. But caring for the person, caring for their family, caring, you know, in the ups and downs of life, right? Isn't that what the body crisis is about? Absolutely. Right? So we got to do that as a team and not just be about the task. We have Sunday deliverables, as one of our pastors calls it. You know, we, we're, we're putting a program together that we're going to do in front of people, engaging people in a congregation, you know, music, technology. So we have things that we got to deliver week in and week out, but it can't be about... The team members can't feel that that's primarily what it's about. They got to they gotta have the sense, I'm valued, I'm loved, I'm cared for, and I'm invested in. And there is something magic about, about showing people that that we are here to help you grow in your gifting too. So we care about you as a person, yeah. and we want to help you get better at something that God has gifted you to do. And to grow in that, develop those skills, this is going to be a little greenhouse to grow that, and, you know, that plant, to flourish so that you are flourishing and fruitful in God's kingdom. Th- that is a desire of our ministry. And so everything we do to communicate that, and there are a few things we do to, to show them, okay, we're glad you're here, we care about you, we want to help you develop. Um, one of those is having predictable systems. We use Planning Center online, and we put the songs up, we put MP3s, we put charts ahead of time, we give them a bunch of you know, rehearsal or practice resources they can practice on their own so that we prep them. By the time they show up to rehearsal, they've learned the song, they've done the work, they've had a ton. We've even gotten into recently, this is like, like not every church can do this, okay, so don't feel any pressure. But like one of our, one of our guys has started bouncing little mixes like where the drums are really loud in the mix. And they, they take the, the multi-track you know, stems and he'll, he'll do a mix where the drums are really loud. So the drummer can listen to that and practice at a time. And then a mix where the guitar is really loud and the guitarist can practice at a time, keyboard and so on. And I mean, that's like over the top, okay? But, but even just a basic MP3 in the key that you're going to plan to do the song and the chart, you want the chart and the key, you know, the key of the MP3 to be the same. You can transpose the key right on Planning Center, by the way, Love inside. Center. It's amazing. So, we, you know, if we're going to do the song in the key of A, let's have the chart in the key of A and an MP3 in the key of A at least for every song so people can prepare. That's a predictable system. And they know at least a week ahead of rehearsal, those songs are going to be listed and those resources are going to be available. Predictable systems, they provide stability for them and they communicate value to them. We care about you enough to give you what you need ahead of time. And we establish a high bar of excellence. You said it, Jason, excellence draws excellence, and I've just found that to be true. People want to be part of something great, something greater than themselves, and that is attractive. It's inspiring to people, and when they go, ooh, there's good musicians, good techs, good people there, oh, yeah, I'm going to go be part of that, that's exciting. And uh, we, we just don't want to settle for mediocrity. It, it honors God. Excellence honors God, yeah. and it inspires people, and that's just that's what we want to be about. And so when we establish a high bar of excellence, people are attracted. Sometimes we're afraid that setting the bar high 
will discourage people. Oh, I don't know if I want to commit to that. But if we can sh- show them, if, if the music's really good on Sunday, they're, you know, the, the fruit of that, the benefit of that is obvious. And they go, ooh, that's better. I want to be a part of that. And I've found that people do live up or live down to your expectations of them. And if you set the bar high, they actually will work harder and they will actually dig in and want to do it. They'll take it more seriously. They will be more committed. They will be more into it if the bar is a little bit higher. If it's mediocre or low because, oh, you know, I don't want to ask too much of you, they'll feel like, ah, maybe you don't care as much. But if the bar of excellence is high, then they, I found they dig in and they, they work and they go for it. Another thing that um, my wife has helped me a ton with this one because she has the gift of hospitality is creating an environment that's just really inviting and hospitable for people to come into when they arrive. So she, she last year said to me, you know, we ought to, on rehearsal nights, we, we ought to provide food for them. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's a, that's a good idea. Now, she happens to be great at cooking and baking. She's, she's like really, culin- she's a, just a culinary, you know, very gifted and has the gift of hospitality. So like, I don't have that. I'm super grateful she does. And so she helps set this up. But now every Tuesday evening, we have dinner and we invite the team. Hey, come before we rehearse. We're going to have dinner as a team. And it's just about hanging out, getting to know each other. How are you doing? How can we pray for each other? And those dinners are awesome. And then we, you know, we go to our stations and we rehearse the, you know, the music. And, um, but what it's done is it's established this real culture of fellowship and bonding in the group. And it's not just coming together to do the job. And that has been awesome. And also, you talk, go back to the first question on recruiting. When someone new comes into the team... The next stop after I yeah. kind of talk with them and figure out their musical or technical gifting, I say, hey, come to Tuesday nights. Come and just experience. And they come and here's a nice dinner that's provided. And here's 20 people that are laughing and, you know, enjoying one another's company. And then we go to rehearsal where things are done at a high level. And we say, hey, we're going to be using in-ear monitoring systems. If this is new to you, here, go ahead and just put in a set and just listen along so you can kind of see what this looks like. And before they ever step foot in the team, we've communicated value to them. Hey, we want you to feel comfortable in this system. We want you to feel prepared. We have a great time together, and it's magic. I have not yet had a person come check us out on a Tuesday night that's interested in getting involved and afterwards go, nah, it's not really for me. (laughs) Like they come (laughs) and they're sold, they're hooked, and they join the team and they serve. And then also beyond that, you know, we're developing them and we're doing intentional things. We've started team nights um, this year where one night a month, our audio guys actually started this, where one night a month they get the, the audio tech guys together and they just talk audio. And they get around the soundboard and, okay, here's, you know, EQ and compression and this is what you do for vocals. And they have different nights, like one night was drum night. They just everything about drums, drum miking, drum tuning, Drum, drum, drums. And another night is all about vocals. Another night is all about, you know, the, the system. And so, like, then when somebody joins a team, they see, wow, there's hospitality. There's a plan that things are organized. You care about me. It's a place where I can be developed. It's a place where I can get better at what God's gifted me to do. It's awesome. And they want to, you know, stay. And then also we build, we build depth. 
This is really, really important. You can't just have one. I think you burn people out if you just have one at every position. And you play, you're the drummer. You're the drummer for our church, and you got to be here every week. Don't go on vacation. Yeah. You can't leave because we need you. That burns people out eventually. So I aim for a rotate. This may sound aggressive to you, but I served in a church that when we started had less than 100 people, and we did it in, in this, and the church never got much over 200 people, and we, we accomplished it in this, in this church, um, as well as a, a bigger, you know, bigger churches that I've served in. This, is, this can be done. So here's what I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to do. Five deep at every position. You may think that's not possible. I believe it's possible right. <laughs> with God's grace and some yes. good planning. And just, and planning that you're like, okay, we're going to go, that's the goal. Five deep at every position, five keyboard players, five drummers, five bassists, five guitarists, et cetera, five audio techs. That's our goal. We're not all the way there yet at every position, but we are on drums, bass, keys, singers, getting close on audio. Like we're getting there, um, you know, a few years in to this current ministry where I'm serving. But Five Deep allows people to serve once a month and one person to be on vacation that month, every month. And they can, that can go, that's sustainable for years and years and years with people serving regularly. If you get too much more than that, seven, eight people on an instrument, then they're only serving once every other month. It's tough for them to feel connected to the team. You can make it on two or three, a rotation of two or three people, but it's not as good as five, four or five, maybe even six in some positions. Man, that feels really good. And then there's a constant rotation of people. They're all part of one big community, but there isn't pressure like, oh, if I don't show up, ah, they're not going to be able to do church. So it's a, it's a great, you know, building depth. And then the last thing is just fun together. Sometimes we just get together outside of any ministry responsibility and we just hang out, go, you know, somebody's got a pool, we all go, you know, swim or, or whatever, go to dinners, go to the movies, whatever, have, have fun together. So all that together... I find that people rarely leave the team. I'm, they love it. I'm over here like, where do I sign up? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is awesome. This is so much fun. Uh, I love this. Um, so, gosh, it's so good. And I think, uh, I mean, we often talk about food at the, on this podcast, um, and I, food just breaks down walls and breaks down conversation. And, you know, you put a cup of a, cup, a, a drink in someone's hand or a, 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 a meal or it just conversation happens and that that's where I mean that life happens and so I love that you guys make that a priority and it um, so good man um, so how do you establish the expectations of your team so you, we how we get them how we kind of have an atmosphere but I think in the atmosphere it's important to remember that when people don't know what's going on that's kind of, you can you, you can lose them you can lose them if they don't know totally. what's happening. If they don't know what's going what's going down or what, what you expect of them, um, I often talk about that a lot on this podcast. The difference between call time and the downbeat. Like people say, your call time's eight a.m. When you might think that means I want to start rehearsal at eight a.m. Right. Um, but that but they they think it or you arrive at eight a.m. That inadvertently is an expectation that's that's not communicated clearly. So, like, how do you establish the expectations for your team so they know what to expect? Yeah, great question. Clarity communicates value to people, right? Mm. Like, that's what you're saying. Yep. What's it call time downbeat? What are we doing? When you clarify the expectations, it's really it's a gift to them, and it's part of part of showing them that they value, they matter. Yep. 
And so people will live up or down to those expectations. And so how do you arrive at those? Um, part of it is you're dreaming, planning, praying as the, you know, as you're establishing the ministry and growing it and seeing, okay, God, what, what do you want out of this? And listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and designing kind of the ministry plan and how that fits in with the goals of the church and the larger culture of what, you know, the, the senior leadership of the church is trying to do. So we, we want to have a real clear goal for what, what is the central, like anybody coming into our team or participating in our teams, I want them to have a very, very clear idea of what the goal is that we are working towards every week. And so I communicate that verbally a lot in uh, rehearsals or meetings, but we also write it down. So we have kind of an expectation sheet that we, and I don't have those for every position. We're actually working on making those for every position because there's some little differences between like what you expect of the drummer and what you might expect of a singer like in preparation leading up to and even the gear that they're they're working with on Sunday. But there are some general team expectations that we communicate up front so that they know this is this is the plan and you know knowing knowing the goal. So in in our I have a three word question that we use to evaluate services and that we use as it's kind of like our compass. It's our it's our north. It's here's my three word question after a Sunday service or anything where we led, did they sing? Mm. Did they sing? The answer is going to be yes or no. And if they really sang out, if the congregation really sang out, we know we achieved what we're going for. Worship can be difficult to measure. Some people won't sing right. because God's moving in their heart in a certain way, or they've you know, lost a loved one and like... Not everybody has to sing all the time, but on the whole, what our team is doing, the musical team, the lighting team, the tech, the like all of this has created an atmosphere where people respond to God, and the measurable way they do that is singing out loud <laughs> to, to God and, and bringing their worship back to Him in response to His love for us. So there are a lot of, lot of things that we do to stoke congregational singing. We say, did they sing? And the team knows, okay, that is an expectation of our team as a, as a group. We want them to sing. So then a singer who's, who's leading a song, like this happened just this last Sunday, we got to a chorus, a very familiar song, and the singer pulled the microphone away from themselves. They were the soloists in that part of the song. They pulled the microphone away from themselves and just let the congregation sing out this chorus that was really, it was well known. And the Room was filled with the voices of the body. I did not say, hey, my expectation is that sometimes you pull your mic down uh, and let the congregation just sing. But because they knew the goal, did they sing? Is the congregation singing? They automatically, they came up with that themselves. So there are some expectations like that that they're just, they're, you know, when, when those are clear, a lot, of things will, yeah. a lot of things will just kind of fall into place. You don't have to list out, here's our five-page manual on everything expect. You know, a couple of really important things. Um, can, I think one page. One page. Uh, yeah. I never have an expectation sheet that's longer than one page. And we agree on those together, too, sometimes within the team. John Nickel has, actually has a great process for this. Um, you know, worshipteamcoach.com. Um, 
he's got a great process for establishing your team expectations as a group, agreeing to them together, writing them out, communicating them. And then I'm communicating in our welcoming process. Hey, when somebody new is onboarding, the, the great thing about a new volunteer is you have a fresh chance every time you have a new volunteer to like get something a little bit more right. <laughs> and so like, okay, they're, they're onboarding. Oh, here are our expectations. Um, here's the, here's the sheet. And, you know, we care for each other. We show up on time. We, we look around and see what else needs to happen besides just is our own thing set up. When our own thing is done, um, let's look around and help as a team. If there's conflict, we go directly to the person. We don't yeah. talk about the person. So we, we, we communicate those. And then we got to model them as leaders. We just got to we gotta live it. We got to be there on time. We got to be prepared musically. We got to do all the things. And then address things. And this is so, so important. We got to address things immediately and gently if those expectations aren't met. So last week in a rehearsal, it was clear that one of the musicians had not prepared to the level that has become our standard. And there were mistakes and it was, it was costing the team. And I had a decision to make in that moment. Do I just move on to the next song and pretend that didn't happen? <laughs> or, or what do I do? And I'm like, I got to address this. And gently, I don't want to embarrass the, the person, but I had to say, oh, actually, hey, can you try this on this part of the song? Hey, the recording, did you, did you, did you you know, listen, have a chance to listen to this recording ahead? You know, we put this recording there for you to prep, and did you have a chance to listen? Oh, you know, I didn't listen to the one on Planning Center. I just listened to a, a Spotify version. And I, and I used it as a team teaching moment. I'm totally. like, you know what? That is a great, I'm glad you said that. This is a great chance for us all to remember the files are on Planning Center. We email them, you know, we, we invite you into that system so that you can prepare ahead of time and we have it right there for you so you can prepare. And it was a good, but I had to deal with it. Yeah. And, and you got to deal when, expect, when people are not living up to the expectations. We can't be lazy or fearful. You address it, you nip it in the bud gently. And I, and I went with it to, to him afterwards and I said, hey. I know I w- there was a lot we were talking about during rehearsal. You okay? You good? And he was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I just, I need to practice. <laughs> and then he practiced and came and in next, and crushed it. I was going to say, next time you're all ready to go. Exactly. Yep. So expectations are really important, communicating them and holding people to account, you know, accountable for them. I think sometimes we try and stray, I get back a little bit from this because we're nervous about like how people are going to feel and expectations feels quote unquote business like or I don't know, the not exciting. It's not the fun part of ministry. But it's gosh, it's so important to remember in the onboarding process of of, of volunteers and making sure that they stick around that we do communicate these things because mm-hmm. it is it will it will change how your ministry is in the long haul because people are willing to stick around and willing to be a part of what you're doing and um, because they know what they are, what what's to what's expected of them, right? And so they'll just, drift if they don't know. They'll, yeah, they'll uh, and do their sure own thing. They'll make up their own. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Close. So clearly stated. It's so good. Um, the we always end the podcast with a food question, and uh, and last time, last time you were on, uh, we talked about Katie's macadamia nut encrusted halibut. <laughs> Awesome. That's I mean, epic. I just, I still have dreams about about, about this, about this. <laughs> so, I mean, that just is good. I love this question because it, every time it comes up with a, a different answers. So what is something, I'm going to ask you a completely different food question now. What is something you don't like eating that most people would enjoy or something that you, 
something that you like that most people would find disgusting. Okay. I'm not a coffee drinker. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's coffee. I, it's disgusting. Why do people drink this? I never in my life have think, enjoyed it. I don't know if I'm offended or if I've... What, <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm unusual. That's oh, right. It's, this is very unusual for a musician. Do you have a uh, drink but, of choice then? Is there, like, is there something that replaces coffee in your well, life? Or do you just drink water? I what drink do, a lot of water. Water's so good for you, yeah. right? As a singer, as a... So just is as coffee, a, but it's fine. It's <laughs> but it's disgusting is the problem. So, you know, tea, I like tea, um, like the throat coat tea oh, yeah. with some honey, you know. And oh, that, yeah. That's, that's really good. So for warm drinks, I like tea. And then Katie got a, my wife got a, this milk frother thing that's amazing. So sometimes, you know, a little bit of tea and some sort of, you know, with milk. So that is great for, for warm drinks. And then water, yeah. Soda's like, oh, that's poison. So, yeah, water is my thing. And then something that I do actually like... Uh-oh. That other people would might find disgusting is liver pate. No, no, that is good stuff. It's not. It. Hold on, you don't like coffee, but you like liver pate. I'm, yeah. How are we friends? I it's, don't know. What's you know, you here? dip a little cracker in no. there. You know, at like one of those really bougie, you know, fancy charcuterie boards or whatever they're called. You know, oh, a little liver pate. Yes, and I say. It. My dad's German. Okay, I grew up so around some German, you know, sausage different. German meats, and I think he was into it. And I don't think it's good for you or anything, but it, <laughs> but I like it. I was gonna say, are organs meant to be eaten? Is that how that? <laughs> I'm not really. I mean, heart, yeah, liver. Sounds disgusting. Is it like a, a, That's I mean, true. I don't know. But you have you, a good point. I mean, but it's a thing. I can't remember the last time I had it, but if it was in front of me, I I would enjoy it. Would you order it if it was on the menu, or do you have to have been like made it or know who made it? Is there? There are different types of liver pate. If it was on the menu, that means I'm at a pretty fancy place, yeah. and I would trust them. So I probably would order. I can't remember the last place I've been to that had liver like, pate on the menu. It's like, do you want fries, salad, or liver pate on the side? <laughs> Is that not a <laughs> not a common side dish? Not a common side dish. Ah, uh, dude, that's amazing. Hey, I appreciate you hanging out, man. I yeah, know. I'm I, always is, great to hang with you. So Thank good. you. It's so many thoughts in there that I'm like, my brain is trying to play catch up. It's so good. Um, yeah. How do we connect with you? How do we connect with Peter? Are you, like if you do some, I know you're on social media and do some stuff like that. Or yeah. Or the church. Yeah. And because uh, you guys have, some, you, guys, you guys have been putting out um, some great video as a church. Yeah. How, how, how do we connect with all that? Yeah. So PeterNewmanMusic.com is the website, our church website, Creekside, and then EG, Elk Grove. That's the town we're in, CreeksideEG.com. Um, you can see the live stream there. And then, you know, on social, my, just my name. Newman, though, is N-E-U. It's like the microphone, Neumann, N-E-U-M-A-N-N. It's not the N-E-W, not the common spelling. So N-E-U-M-A-N-N. Um, Peter Newman on, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, and would love to connect. So good. Everybody, thanks for hanging out today, and uh, we will see you back here next week.